This episode of the Chats by Rotary Act Australia podcast is sponsored by Rotary International District 9650 in New South Wales, Australia. This district takes in a large part of northern New South Wales and is home to Rotaract clubs, Rotary clubs and a handful of Interact clubs. The district has a, has a large focus on supporting and promoting emerging leaders and this year is focused on celebrating all the things that make Rotary and Rotaract so special. You're listening to Chats by Rotaract Australia, where we bring Rotaractors together to inspire, educate and collaborate. Hi guys, my name is Laura Telford and welcome to the Chats by Rotaract Australia podcast. I am the current Vice Chair uh, and Acting Chair of Rotaract Australia and today I'm absolutely excited uh, to be chatting to one of the Rotaract icons of the last little while, former Rotary International President Barry Rasson. Welcome. Pleasure to be here. Always love to speak with and about Rotaractors. Look, and we, as a, a former District Rotaract representative and uh, someone who's working in the Rotaract space, we absolutely know how passionate you are about Rotaract. And look, I'm sure we will be exploring that a little further. So are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself personally and, and professionally? Okay, sure. I have uh, I'm married. I have three children, five grandchildren, um, kind of all over the place, uh, from Colorado, California, Florida, um, one daughter here in Nassau with me. I live in Nassau, Bahamas. Um, my prior life, I was chairman of the board, CEO for the local private hospital, which my dad actually built. Wow. Uh, I took it over from him and I, I, I grew it um, so that we could bring modern medicine to the country. And uh, in my very, very early year back home doing that, I was so frustrated and I knew I had to meet the right people in the country. So I accepted an invitation to join a Rotary Club. That's where I got my, my what shall I say, my, my stability and uh, kind of felt good about everything because it was a good group of people. Yeah. And so is that the Rotary Club that you're still a part of today? It is. Rotary Club of East Nassau. And so in those early years when you joined Rotary, what were some of the things that kept you coming back? At first, honestly, I joined because I needed to meet these people. There's hundred over a hundred members. They really ran the business community in the country. And I knew starting a new business, I had to get to know them. I'm an introvert, very shy. It was no easy thing to decide to do, but I knew I had to do it. So I did. I've always felt no matter how old we are, we need to get ourselves out of our comfort zone in order to grow and, and develop yourself as an individual. So I pushed myself, I went, I got and, and, you know, the first couple of years, it was about, I love that they're doing service, but it was more getting to know the people in the club, making friends. And it was about two years in where they asked me to do something for the club. And that's when I kind of realized the power that Rotary and individual Rotarians have. And that's when I, I was dedicated at that point to becoming a good Rotarian. And so in those, you know, first few years, what were some of the projects that you found that passion with? Oh, wow. We did a little of everything. I think every NGO in Nassau has benefited from Rotary. Um, we gave audio books to a school for children who were, who were blind, we helped uh, the handicapped. We actually built a home for those who live in wheelchairs because uh, our country doesn't have a lot of ramps and it's not easy to get around. So we built a house that actually originally originated from England, the Cheshire Home. 
which was a kind of not a franchise, but we took their ideas with their help and we built a home here for, for the handicapped. Um, I helped the Red Cross to raise funds. Um, I worked with the Chamber of Commerce, um, just a little of everything. I think the way I met them, there was a, we had a horse show where the kids ride and they get prizes. And my two daughters were both riding in the show. And oh, wow. I'm the only one in the bleachers. I'm sitting in the bleachers and I see this crowd of fellows over here having a good time. And they were selling hot dogs and hamburgers, but more, more than that, they were drinking beer. One of them came over and that's, they introduced me to Rotary. They invited me to join the club and that's how it all got started. Um, so in the horse show, we used to raise $15,000 doing that. Wow, that's amazing. And so how does someone who is a little bit shy end up being Rotary International President? Yeah, there's a good question I ask myself every day. Um, <laughs> it's, like I said, you got to get out of your comfort zone. It was uh, terrifying and yet gratifying that I, I was able to get to a point where I could actually make a difference in the organization. Because I, it wasn't, I didn't join, I didn't want to be president just to be president. I realized the only way you could make any significant change to the organization is by being in a position of a, of a leader. And when you get there, then you have to empower and, and inspire all of the people around you to get the job done. And so um, I was just kind of proving myself to myself once again that this is possible, it's doable, and you know, you'll get through it, you'll live through it, and hopefully you'll leave a mark behind you. And I think that's a really practical way to approach something, particularly in Rotaract. Some people get thrown into roles really early on and, and you know, they might not feel like they're ready for it. But, you know, we jump in and, and do what we can and, and you know, do the best that we can and, and hope that uh, it all works out in the end. Absolutely. That's the best way to do it. Just be yourself and do whatever you can to do a good job. Now, are you able to give us some insight into the role of an international president um, and how that would connect to ordinary Rotaractors and Rotarians? On the one hand, you're there to meet as many Rotarians and Rotaractors as you can and make sure they understand the message of Rotary. Make sure they understand how incredible this organization is and the impact they as individuals can have on the organization. So, my theme, as you know, is be the inspiration. And to me, that that's half the job. You've got to inspire the Rotary world to do more than we've ever done before and to think a little different. I, I was really trying to promote some change in the organization. That's hard to do. The other side of the job is your chairman of the board. So as chairman of the board, now you have to discuss and get a board to accept change of policy, um, which uh, is a little more strategic. You're working with individuals. You really, my thinking is when you're chairman of a board, you have to be willing to listen to everybody's perspective, not only your own, and then get compromise where necessary to make good decisions that the whole board at the end of the day walks away feeling they've made a difference. That's a different kind of leadership than meeting Rotarians and Rotaractors and making them feel good about the organization. So it's those are the two different types of roles. 
Um, and um, it's, you know, if you know basic rules, first of all, you have to understand Rotary and what Rotary is all about. Second, you have to be chairman of the board. You've got to have a little feel for Robert's rules of orders. Although I broke the rules a few times, but that's because I wanted a more informal atmosphere. I, did, I don't like the formality once we got past that. And but that's the essence of the job of those two things. And how does the the the, the current day international president um, connect with, I guess, the immediate past president and you know the president elect and and possibly the president after that? To be honest, in some years that doesn't work well. But the the idea is the three of us work closely together. <clears throat> I was very fortunate; we worked really well together, so I could know what they're. They're doing and what they want to continue in the future and give them the respect that I want to keep their programs going. At the same time, I want them to know how I feel about other things that need to change. And they work with me in that process. And and I think since our time, I'm pretty sure we've all been doing that same thing. I, I know that Shaker and Jennifer have been working well together, and I'm sure Gordon coming in, they'll work well together too. So that 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 continuity in leadership is really important, in my opinion. And not only at that level, but at the club level, at the district level, we need to be thinking long-term. In past years, I was always concerned that we, July 1st, everybody goes away and a whole new bunch of people start over again. That's a hard way to run an organization. Mind you, we did really well. It's hard to criticize it, but I think we could do better if we're thinking a little longer term. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that's why Rotary International brought out, you know, those strategic planning documents so that clubs and districts can really be thinking about that. You know, it's not just a single year that, you know, someone's in a role. It, it's a, a longer term influence and impact that that clubs and districts and, you know, obviously the international organisation as a whole can can do. My next question is you, your president presidential year was before the dreaded COVID hit. So what are some of the differences um, around the world that Rotaract, uh, that you've seen in Rotaract? I've seen incredible change in in Rotaract, not only in atmosphere of clubs, but in enthusiasm of Rotaractors. We've seen, first of all, the, the board caught on and started making policy changes after the council made their change. And that's helped a lot. And that's continuing without me, which that's that's when you know you've been successful is when you, you like the match and the candle keeps burning for the long term. And that's what's happening here is we continue making changes to bring that equality to Rotaract as to a Rotary club. And there's a few more things we have to do, but I know they're in the pipeline and I know they're going to happen. They get pretty expensive when you get to the point of having to change our our website and change my rotary, uh, but we need to do that so the Rotaractors have absolute equal access that any Rotarian has. Um, so that's in the works as well. So I am extremely happy of, of how we have, as a Rotary world, as an organization, we've said this has to happen and this has to go all the way, and that's where we are. Um, and when you see how many clubs we've grown by in Rotaract in, in only two years, it's really extraordinary. Uh, Rotary has never, uh, probably, that's not true, but they haven't grown that fast and by that much in a many, many years. Um, but Rotaract has. They just, they got that enthusiasm because I believe, and I could be wrong, they felt, wow, the organization respects us now. They really see us as equals. 
So we need to step up and do what we have to do because we have so much to contribute to the organization, which they do. Uh, I really want to see them more in leadership positions in Rotary because I think that's really the future. I used to get criticized a lot because I said Rotaract is the future of Rotary. A lot of people say, no, 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 Rotaract is today. That's today. What I was trying to say is that Rotaract is the leadership of Rotary for the future. And if we want them in that leadership role, we need to start doing it right now, which means doing mentoring, helping with, with uh, develop their leadership skills, help their personal development. Um, we've got to stop being shy in Rotary about helping individuals in the organization. We should be there to develop each other. And as they do that, and as Rotaractors develop their leadership skills, they can become district governors earlier than they have in the past. And that's what we need. We need a, a better balance of age in, in Rotary clubs. And I think that's Rotaract is going to make that happen by joining or starting new Rotary clubs. Yeah, definitely. So getting into the, the meaty side of Rotaract, um, you know, picture it was January uh, 2018. You were standing in front of a whole bunch of district governor-elects um, on a stage in San Diego and you you were saying, you know, we want to double the amount of Rotaractors uh, during, during the year um, and Rotarians from across the world went back to their districts. Super enthusiastic and super exciting. What was that like for you being able to, to start that momentum and then see that change begin rippled all over the world? It's just so satisfying to know that what you believe could happen really starts to happen. You know, when you say it out loud the first time, you don't know if you're going to fall off people's backs or people are going to hear you or, you know, you give a lot of messages. Sometimes they hear one or two. They don't always hear them all. Um, so to know that you've given a message and people catch on and believe that, yes, this could happen. This could be an answer to the organization and to the individuals in Rotaract. That is extremely satisfying. I couldn't tell you how proud I am to be able to give a message that people buy into and carry on for the long term. Absolutely. And so from your your perspective, you know, how did you see the rise of Elevate Rotaract? And, you know, what did you see that that, intent, that, that was intended to achieve? You know, it's when you look at the numbers and you say, we've got, a quarter million Rotaract. And actually, we don't even know for sure just because of my Rotary and everybody is in it. We believe there's about a quarter million young professionals who are part of our organization. And I'm thinking everywhere I go and I speak with Rotaractors, they, they, they're isolated. They're not integrated into the organization. And yet they're their honesty, their enthusiasm, their, their ability to be innovative just jumps out at you everywhere I spoke with Rotaractors. And I'm saying, this is what we need in Rotary Clubs. How do I achieve that? And then I realized the only way to really send a strong message is when you change the bylaws and constitution of the organization. That sends a message. Because that means the whole Rotary world has agreed. Something that is not very easy to do. If you look at the history of councils on legislation, they don't approve a whole lot of new and different things. 
And of course, with ours, they didn't approve it the first time. I thank social media for what we did achieve, because as soon as the vote was was taken, it was a no vote. We hit social media and said, Rotaractors, get to your representatives. They need to understand this, because clearly they don't understand the benefit to Rotary. They did. The next morning, a member of the floor who voted against it stood up and said, no, we need to bring this back and talk about it again, which they did. They gave me another opportunity to sell it, um, which I took, and, and then they voted for it. And with that kind of change, you need at least two-thirds um, of the vote. So it, it's a tough vote, but we got it. And so you know if you've got to that point that you've got something that can work and something that can move into the future and grow. But then it's up to Rotaractors to prove that we were right. So I, I really tried every time I had an opportunity to speak with Rotaractors to make sure they understood you need to show that what we did is the right thing and that you're just as good as any Rotarians are. And I think for a large part, they've done just that. Yeah, look, I don't think I would have wanted to be on the on your telephone that night that you got five billion messages from all around the world. <laughs> uh, and so talking about the Council of Legislation, it was thanks to the call out for rotor actors around the world during the 2019 uh, session um, and DRRs raised their voice to their Council of Legislation representatives, probably for some for the first time. With the next Council of Legislation happening in 2022, how important do you think it is for rotor actors to be engaged in this process yet again? Very important. We need the perspective of our young professionals. And if we, and I'm nothing against our, our representatives to the council, but they need to hear from their constituency, if you will. And that means hear from rotor actors as well as returns. Rotor actors need to read the material. And then many of them probably doesn't mean anything to them, changing this, changing that. And it's really technical stuff. And does it really matter? But if they see something that matters to them, they need to tell the representative how they feel about it. So then the representative gets, gets the, the bigger picture of what needs to change for the people that they represent. If they don't do that, then we don't hear from our young professionals we can make decisions that are not in the best interest of our young professionals. So really important that they express themselves to our representatives. Absolutely. Um, and how should we be looking at making Rotary as a whole more accessible to young professionals? Oh, every, every time I talk to clubs and districts, that's part of my message is, I ask the club to just step back from your club and ask yourself what, in, in honest terms, what is the culture of my club? Does my club welcome new members? Does my club welcome young professionals? I also throw in diversity. Are we, are we not only diverse by age, but by gender and race and ethnicity, et cetera? Clubs need to ask themselves those honest, ask themselves the questions and then give honest answers to those questions. And then start to say, well, you're right. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. Let's do something different. And if we just, every club took that approach, then we would start to make sure our Rotary clubs were more welcoming and, and more engaging with our Rotaractors so that Rotaractors want to join Rotary. 
The number that shocked me years ago was that less than 4% of Rotaractors join a Rotary Club. And that's not because of them, that's because of Rotarians. And Rotarians and Rotary Clubs are the ones who need to make a change. And yes, we need help from Rotaract. So I asked Rotary Rotarians, bring some Rotaractors in, just sit down and listen. Don't say a word. Ask them how they feel about Rotary and then listen to them. And then, you know, make some changes that might be what they're looking for in a club. It's not going to be radical. It's just going to be they want to feel a truly a part of the club. They don't want to be brought in to do the work. They don't want to be brought in and they sit at their own table and nobody mingles with them. Just listen to them and then make some changes. And I think clubs have really got that message. I've had an opportunity to speak with many countries uh, and Rotary Clubs in many countries. And I get a lot of messages back that we did that. We're listening and we're engaging and we're giving them leadership jobs in Rotary, even though they're still in Rotary. So that's how we really start to integrate the two organizations so that we really become one organization working together. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the the partnerships where Rotary and Rotaract are working really well are flourishing. And I think those who aren't doing that are really being left behind. Um, and, you know, hopefully, unfortunately for them, I guess, hopefully that continues and, and we see that um, develop further. Thanks for listening to part one of our very special chat with past international president, Barry Rassen. There is a part two, it's coming in two weeks and we can't wait to share it with you then. Don't forget to subscribe to Chats by Rotaract Australia on your favourite podcasting channel and like, share and comment on the RA socials.